Welcome to the Sense of Soul podcast. We are your hosts, Shannon and Mandy. Grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Well, we hope that you are enjoying your day off of work. Hopefully, you got the day off of work. Most places are closed today in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. So today we're going to be discussing Martin Luther King, and I just thought I would... Start with in 1863, the slaves were freed from bondage of physical slavery, but this freedom did not really come easy. And it really didn't come for almost more than a century. In 1963, a hundred years later, is when Martin Luther King actually gave that I have a dream speech. In the end of the 1800s was really the beginning of the restrictive Jim Crow era. And that followed the Ferguson versus Plessy case, which was the case where a man in Louisiana, he was one-eighth black, actually. Mm-hmm. So he probably didn't even really look very African-American. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to the car of the train that is supposed to be of only white people. And he announces that he was black. Well, then... What, did he just stand up and announce it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So this was part of kind of a plot to challenge the system in the oh, okay. um, 14th Amendment. So they came up with a separate but equal. Let's just think about that. Separate but equal. It makes no sense at all. It's absolutely contradicting. Yeah, I'm words. in my mind trying to visualize separate but equal. But, yeah. So explain that. So, well, this meant separate public accommodations. So, like, you know, you've heard of people having to have separate water fountains. That is go into different swimming pools. They had separate theaters, hotels, hospitals. So it was basically like, you can go have your life in your community over there, and we'll have ours over here, and we'll be equal, but separate. Segregation. This included schools, neighborhoods, and this was really, really enforced in the South. These facilities were considered equal, but only in name. The facilities that were serving... The blacks were almost always inferior to the facilities that served the whites. And I do remember hearing a story of a man who had been in a car accident and they brought him to the hospital. This guy was in serious condition and they were working on him and his family came up to the hospital. And when they saw his family, they quit working on him right away because they could tell that his family was African-American. So they stopped working on him. And they sent him to the black to the hospital across the street that would accommodate, you know, blacks. And that just makes me so sad. It just sickens me because to think that this guy was light enough for you to take him into the hospital. Like, you saw his skin and you thought, oh, he's a white guy, I'm going to bring him. But when you realize, when his family came in, oh, shit, this guy's not white, you, did, you decided not to save his life? What the fuck? <laughs> and sent him, which he ended up dying oh a few God. hours later. I'm so grateful I didn't live in that era. I know, it's Seriously. disgusting. It, it just makes me so sad. Me too. They were treated so poorly. Yeah, they basically had like a hierarchy. You have civil rights, but you also had social rights. Okay. And each state was able to do whatever they wanted with their own social rights. And so in the end, with the Plessy and Ferguson case... It was determined that Louisiana could go ahead and do whatever they wanted with their social rights. So that, each state could make up their own mind and their own laws around social rights for at the, time, the yes. blacks. Yeah. So and all this changed in the 1950s, but it didn't come easy at all. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to kind of discuss today, how Martin Luther King was a big part of civil rights. 
you know, as Shanna and I have talked about in the past, we walk through this experience, researching it, sitting with it, feeling it. And we just so happened to turn on the TV this morning and watched a documentary. And I feel like I'm in mourning for Me Martin too. Luther I'm King. I'm still so very sad. Yeah. yeah, and it's affected us. Not that it didn't in the past, but obviously more to today because we have submerged ourselves into learning about this beautiful man. So Martin Luther King was born in Atlanta on January 15th, 1929. His dad was a preacher and he had two siblings. Him and his dad both were actually originally named Michael. But in 1935, his dad had changed both of their names to Martin Luther King to Amon, a German Protestant reformer. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I had heard that it was supposed to be Martin, but that it was a mistake on the birth certificate. Oh, so they weird. went and changed it. True. And Martin was super smart. He skipped two grades. He did. He skipped ninth and twelfth grade. Yeah, and by the time he was fifteen years old, he actually passed an entrance exam to attend the predominantly black Morehouse College. He was an extremely intelligent man. I mean, can you imagine going to college at age fifteen? And when he was 19 was when he got his bachelor's degree. Well, I know that they say that King felt drawn into to ministry, just like his father. His father was also a, a Baptist minister. Mm-hmm. And he's quoted as saying, My call to the ministry was not a miraculous or supernatural something, he said. On the contrary, it was an inner urge calling me to serve humanity. Mm-hmm. So like Thich Nhat Hanh, from a young age, he just had this inner Calling. Calling. Yeah. It's beautiful. Definitely was awakened, wise, and beyond his time. And after reading so much about him this past week, to prepare for this episode, I'd say I definitely would agree with Thich Nhat Hanh about how he was a Buddhisafa, someone that who was on their path of awakening and has great compassion to spread their light with the purpose to help others find theirs. And I would totally agree that that was his urge, like he said, to serve humanity. He definitely was a light with a very great purpose and then with great courage. I mean, he was very brave. And at a time when segregation and racism was still very much alive and present in America. And in 1953, he got married and had four kids. He got his Bachelor's of Arts and he also got his Bachelor of Divinity. And then he earned his doctorate in systematic theology from Boston University in 1955. So that's how he became a doctor. So his title actually is Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Yeah. You know, in 1955, this was also the year of the awful death of Emmett Lewis Till, who was the 14-year-old boy who was kidnapped and lynched and thrown into the Tallahatchie River in Mississippi. It's probably one of the worst, most disturbing stories of murder and abuse on a child I've ever heard. And racism. And just don't look it up without knowing that there are pictures of him in his casket. They're brutal. Yeah. So this poor kid, he had offended a white woman at the grocery store. And then he was kidnapped and lynched, like brutally murdered and thrown into the river. And his mother had made the courageous decision, a very powerful decision, of leaving his coffin open and, and having an open funeral. And like hundreds came to see what they had done to him. It, it really made a huge statement. In fact, Martin Luther King stated, this might be considered to be one of the most brutal and inhumane crimes of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So sad. But three months after Emmett was pulled from the river, 
You know what? That's when Rosa Parks was jailed for refusing to give up her seat on the public bus to the white man. And that was a violation of the city's racial segregation law. But then Martin Luther King and her and many others had put together a boycott of the Montgomery bus system. It became a critical piece of U.S. history and the civil rights movement. Which led to the Baton Rouge bus boycott as well. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's when the ordinance abolished race-based reserved seating requirements and allowed the omission of African Americans in the front sections of city buses. The Congress on Racial Equality organized techniques called the Freedom Riders by placing black and white volunteers next to each other to sit on buses and other forms of public transportation. So they tested it out. With volunteers? Yeah. Are you right. kidding? No, but that's but that's how we are here today, because of those little small movements and those people who are willing to volunteer. Yeah, that's true. In 1956, him and his family were at church, and he was leading mass, and his home was bombed. Ugh. I mean, just horrible stuff. Had, you know, they were coming at him right and left. He was at a book signing, and a woman who has now been discovered she was incredibly mentally ill and eventually put into a mental institution for being a paranoid schizophrenic, stabbed him almost completely into the main artery of his heart. Wow. He went into surgery, and I read a pretty uh, amazing story about how his scar from being stabbed was exactly in the symbol of a cross. And he had such an impact on the surgeons that saved his life that he became very, very good friends with them and kept in touch with them for, like, his entire life. Wow. Yeah. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964 with courage and perseverance. And he was the youngest one to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Yeah. And we do know also that he ended up nominating Thich Nhat Hanh for the Nobel Peace Prize as well. In... 1965, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote a letter to the New York Amsterdam News about voting rights, and 12 days later, the House panel approved the bill, and President Lyndon B. Johnson signed Congress's final rendering into law on August 6th in the Capitol. King was in attendance for that and received the pen that the president used to sign the bill. Oh, wow. It's also said that Martin Luther King Jr. was highly influenced and respected the teachings of Gandhi. Yes, I read that too. Yeah, and that he also visited India in 1959. And we know because we discussed in our last episode with Thich Nhat Hanh that he was encouraged to denounce the Vietnam War by Thich Nhat Hanh, and he did so. And this actually was a reason why a lot of people were upset and called him a, a radical. They said that this was radical, and I'm, but personally, I just see that it was a man just, he really, really tried to promote peace and nonviolence. Yeah, they say that 75% of America disliked him for what he stood for when it, right around that time. Mm-hmm. And in the documentary we just watched, it was very sad for me to see the impact it took on his soul. He had so much support from colleagues and friends, but up until he started speaking out against the Vietnam War, he found himself pretty much lonely and a lot of his friends had turned on him and he became depressed 
and people said he was hardly smiling Mm -hmm. and a lot of his family was extremely worried about him and he felt betrayed and betrayed and it was a very lonely hard time for him i know he was an activist for peace but he also made a comment it and i'll quote him it says the bombs that were dropped in vietnam exploded in watts detroit and also philadelphia meaning that the money spent on the war was taken being taken away from the money that was needed here in the united states and addressing poverty so that was kind of where he was at right before he died he was really promoting that let's put our energy our money back into who need it here who are struggling and he went out into events and he placed himself in the middle of riot but he was really trying to be the face of helping the poor in 1963 in memphis tennessee he was giving a speech and we just want to play a little clip of that speech And that was April 3rd at the Mason Temple, the Church of God and Christ headquarters. And following day, King was assassinated. He was assassinated in Memphis on April 4th, 1968, at the age of only 39. It's almost like he knew. He, knew. he didn't fear it. He was enlightened. He was a light worker. It is said that he was murdered by James Earl Ray. But his family, after investigation, firmly believed that, that James Earl Ray was not the killer of their father. They believed that it was a plot organized by the mafia and the local, state, and federal governments. And that James Earl Ray was set up to take the blame. Yeah. I watched an interview where his sister is talking about how she believes that this poor man has spent well, he's, he passed away now. He'd passed away at 44. She has so much empathy that this poor man spent his life in jail for a crime he didn't commit. Wow. Mm-hmm. It stirs up a bit of anger inside of me because I it makes me just distrust, distrust our government and our system, and our system even more. And if you look at how many people that have stood up for good that have died, there's just something not right there. No, it's just like we had Jeff Johnson on, you know, a few episodes back who was wrongly convicted and served 24 years and just got, you know, recently released. This guy died in prison. Yeah. And he wasn't even there. He said he wasn't even there at that hotel. 
there was a whole bunch of paperwork missing and yeah they had many witnesses that said that they saw a police officer actually shoot him it was just bizarre i was very moved when i heard senator robert f kennedy he came out to like a few hours later after martin luther king jr had been killed he came out it was like one of the most moving speeches we're just gonna play a little clip of his speech announcing the death of martin luther king I have some very sad news for all of you, and I think uh, sad news for all of our fellow citizens and people who love peace all over the world, and that is that Martin Luther King was shot and was killed tonight in Memphis. Martin Luther King dedicated his life to love and to justice between fellow human beings. He died in the cause of that effort. In this difficult day, in this difficult time for the United States, it's perhaps well to ask what kind of a nation we are and what direction we want to move in. For those of you who are black, considering the evidence evidently is that there were white people who were responsible. You can be filled with bitterness and with hatred and a desire for revenge. We can move in that direction as a country in greater polarization. Black people amongst blacks and white amongst whites filled with hatred toward one another. We can make an effort, as Martin Luther King did, to understand and to comprehend and replace that violence, that stain of bloodshed that is spread across our land with an effort to understand compassion and love for those of you who are black and are tempted to fill with, be filled with hatred and distrust of the injustice of such an act against all white people I would only say that I can also feel in my own heart the same kind of feeling I had a member of my family killed but he was killed by a white man but we have to make an effort in the United States we have to make an effort to understand to get beyond or go beyond these rather difficult times. A favorite poem, I, my favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own day despair against our will comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Feeling of justice toward those who still suffer within our country, whether they be white or whether they be black. So we're cutting it short. There's actually more to that 
speech, but you got the gist of it. That was awesome. Beautiful. Not only was it awesome, but it was one of the few cities that didn't uproar and riot and go up in flames. Um, it kept peace there while the rest of every, you know, every other state in the United States was going up in flames and people were rioting. They were so upset. And sadly, just a few months later, he was assassinated as well. People didn't want change. No. I also don't think it's ironic that Martin Luther King's brother was found dead in a swimming pool one day after being on the phone with someone saying that it was his duty to figure out who murdered him. Someone murdered Martin Luther King's mother six years later. They walked into the church and sat in the front oh row. And um, as she was playing the organ, I did not know that. they pulled out a gun and shot her. This man claimed that the divine had told him to kill Martin Luther King's father, but he shot Martin Luther King's mother instead because she was closer to him odd to me that anyone that spoke out at that time yeah at that time ended up dead right and that wanted peace because that's all they really stood for is peace when and togetherness and and against separation martin luther king did not just stand for people of color he was an activist for oneness so in 1963 when he gave that i have a dream speech that was at the march on washington and they estimated 250,000 people were in attendance. Both black and white people gathered there together to witness Martin Luther King Jr. give his historical I Have a Dream speech. And I think it's really interesting, but even today, we most people do know that speech. My kids at their elementary school had to learn and recite that speech every single year. It was so beautiful too. It's a really cool thing. Lindsay still remembers the words of that speech. That is awesome. And, you know, and today we celebrate him every single year. It's kind of like the same thing with Veterans Day. It's becoming just a date and a day off. Right. And in the documentary, a woman at the end stated, you know, this is a day where it is each one of us. It's our duty to carry out what he stood for. Yeah. Each one of us needs to do something different towards what Martin Luther King started. Why don't we play a little bit of that speech?
Awesome. It's like living. Can you imagine being there? No. And some other facts that people might not know and that I did not know. Martin Luther King sang with the choir at the premiere of Gone with the Wind. What? <laughs> yeah. Cool. I love that movie. Apparently he had a good voice. He had his honeymoon at a funeral parlor. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> it is creepy, but a friend of his allowed him to have the space. Oh, I know. Um, another one that I found interesting was that he was a straight A student, but for some reason he got a C in public speaking oh, in college. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Definitely, he gets an A for me. Yeah, Luther King was imprisoned thirty times, and oh. first. Obviously, very stupid reasons. One time, it was because he was just going a few miles over the speed limit. Wow. He actually constantly knew and put himself in that position. It was just inevitable. Earlier, we talked about how he was stabbed and 
when he stepped out of the hospital, they asked him, you know, what his state of mind was. And he expressed what he'd experienced in the last few days had deepened his faith and that it helped him to basically realize that he was aligned with what he was supposed to be doing and the relevance of the spirit of nonviolence. And I thought that was beautiful because, you know, you go through something that traumatic, he could walk out of that hospital with hate and fear. And what it did was it deepened his faith and deepened his purpose of wanting to continue in what he was doing. It's so amazing. He never looked scared. Never. Not at all. And you couldn't hear no fear in his voice. That man was powerful mm -hmm. and just courageous. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's 700 streets named after him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't even include school. Oh, I was going to say, everybody's got a Martin Luther King. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty awesome fact. I mean, I knew there was a lot, but 700 streets. Wow. Another thing that I thought was interesting was he donated almost $54,000 that he received from the Nobel Peace Prize to civil rights movements. And when he donated it, he said something beautiful. He said, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final wor word in reality. One that I did want to mention was I talked earlier about 75% of people disliked him, mm -hmm. but 90% of people today adore and love and honor him. You can't talk about Martin Luther King without talking about our most favorite quotes because they're oh, very moving yeah. and beautiful. So I'll share one and Shanna, you can share some. Nonviolent resistance is not for cowards. It is not a quiet, passive acceptance of evil. One is passive and nonviolent physically, but very active spiritually. Always seeking ways to persuade the opponent of advantages to the way of love, cooperation, and peace. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in the moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The time is always right to do what is right. Hmm. I had found myself searching for what his personality was like, and I wanted to like get to know him a little bit. And I think that what I've learned about him was that he was also very playful. He was extremely funny. Yeah, I, they said he was actually, they were having a pillow fight right before he got killed. I know, like five grown men, you know, played football with his children. Mm -hmm. He, one of his college friends stated that he walked around with a big red hat and just like these big baggy pants. And, wow. and you know, he said he, everyone knew that he was strong. He had strong character and was going to do something with his life, but wow. they just didn't know how profound of an impact he'd have. It's so sad. Some people call him a martyr. Like, he really, like, truly sacrificed himself for his purpose. You know, his his son said that in the interview. His son said that he thinks that his father's death was a sacrifice because without him dying, people would not have been impacted by what he represented. Mm. Truly a sacrifice. And, you know, he would have been in his, like, late 80s right now, but... His words live on. One of his friends who was a reverend talked about how he was just so articulate with his words. Oh, he was like a poet too. He, they were like yeah, poetic. Very poetic. And that his words offered people hope and freedom. 
And that was um, at a dark time for many people. So Mm -hmm. it was when it was needed, but it's needed every day in our world. I uh, found an article that was written by Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. And I just wanted to share some of it because I was thinking about what can we today and every day teach our children and ourselves to take with us on our um, daily life in honor of Martin Luther King. What can we learn from him? And it was so eloquently written in this article that I'm going to read it. It is not only the content of Dr. King's speeches, but also the thread of emotional intelligence they he demonstrated throughout. It was his emotional intelligent delivery. That is what continues to inspire us today. This cry for equality wrapped in a moral vision for all was spoken with an intensity that remains forever emblazoned in the minds of Americans. In naming and harnessing his own emotions and expressing them with such powerful eloquence, in connecting strongly with the emotions of his listeners, and in convincing them to empathize with others, Dr. King demonstrated emotional intelligence decades before the concept had a name. On this MLK Day, How to Honor Dr. King's Life and Work, One way is to harness your own emotional intelligence and turn it outward to do good in the world as he did. Know your passions. What ideas and kinds of activism will fill you with strong energetic emotions? These emotions may be pointing you towards your life's work. Put your passion to work. What might you do to embrace these emotions? Perhaps you'll decide to volunteer with newborns or the elderly, teach someone to read, or plant a spot of greenery where no one has before. Perhaps you'll take a class to learn more about your passion or look for ways to change your career path in favor of work that gives you energy. Communicate the powerful feelings that drive you. Very few of us are as eloquent as Dr. King was, but passion and joy can shine through your words or deeds nonetheless. Expressing your passion may inspire other people to join you in whatever cause speaks to you, whatever change in the world compels you. We at the Yale Center of Emotional Intelligence have a dream also. One, we think Dr. King would have supported wholeheartedly. Our dream is that every American understand that emotions matter and that the power of our emotions can be used for our own good and for the good of others. Our dream is that all our kids learn to recognize, understand, label, express, and regulate their emotions so that every child and adult can discover their purpose and express their fullest potential. Then we can all use this emotion the way Martin Luther King did, inspiring others in large and small ways to make our world a better place. I love that. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. Robin Stern and uh, Diane Devetcha. I feel so very connected today to him. I feel like it was probably one of the first times in my life that I honored him in a way I should have all along. Right. Because I spent the day remembering, watching, learning. Why? Why he was so impactful. Right. And not just the I have a dream speech. He was much more than just that speech. Yeah. He was a father, an amazing husband, a man of complete integrity, a man of God, a great friend, a brave man. Right. I would just like to once more give a shout out to that man and to his family and to his friends and his staff that stood by him and believed in him enough to make the sacrifices they did. I mean, Martin Luther King took a lot of time away from his wife and his children. 
He was, if you watch videos of him, he's coughing a lot. He's like sweating. Like he really was under a lot of stress. Yeah, his immune system was compromised. Yeah, he would hop up out of bed and just catch flights out of nowhere if he knew he was needed somewhere. It's like he was sacrificing himself and he knew it. Yeah. And he willingly did it. When Martin Luther King's autopsy was performed, they said that he had endured so much stress that his heart was of a stage of like what a 60-year-old man with heart failure would look like. Mm. It's just awful. Yeah, so it was it was hard for him to play out his calling. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being with us. That one. Next week, we are going to talk about starseed children, indigo children, light workers. Ooh, ooh, this one excites yeah. me. <laughs> it may sound a little crazy, but you may have to just... Be open-minded and listen. Yeah, come with an open mind and as we discuss things that are just out of this universe. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. We hope you will come back next week. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe. Thank you. We rise to lift you up. Thanks for listening.